When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You heard in the Sports Center update from ESPN's Brian Windhorse that the Sacramento Kings intend to stay at number four and take Jaden Ivey with the fourth overall pick. But what about the New York Knicks? Is there still a possibility that they will trade up and finally get that franchise lead combo guard they have been looking for seemingly forever? This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, brought to you as always by Progressive Insurance. Let's tap in now with Alan Hahn, host of Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. And Alan, like, if they're able to pull this off, the Knicks, that is, and, and send some rotational pieces, the 11th pick overall in this year's draft, and some future draft pick to move up for Ivy, to me this seems like a no-brainer for the New York Knicks. How do you see it? I, I agree. I've said many times that I would say take whatever you want, not named R.J. Barrett, and let's just make a deal. I mean, I'd be, for me personally, I'd be as aggressive as I possibly could be in that type of move because this franchise really has kind of, you know, been running on ice uh, since they were knocked out of the playoffs two years ago um, in a gentleman's sweep. But the reality is, is that there's not a lot on the roster that teams like the Kings with the number four pick would be interested in having. And so as a result, there's probably not going to be a move by the Knicks there, but I, I can tell you though, they tried. I mean, there have been conversations with the four pick, the fifth pick, Uh, I believe also six, seven. I mean, they've called everybody to try to see if they can angle their way up uh, and get one of the top players in this draft. It's just not going to happen. They're probably going to stand pat at 11. What's going on, Han, brother? How you doing, man? Well, Z, what's happening, babe? Not much, man. Not much. You know, you're a longtime NBA guy like like myself. Mm -hmm. Can you remember a draft? When's the last time you can recall a draft where – there's no – I know Woj uh, reported earlier that Jabari Smith appears to be the number one overall pick, but yeah. where there's no Zion or, you know, clear-cut number one over, where it's easy to decide who that guy is going to be. When's the I last mean, time you can recall one of these drafts? I mean, we, we've had – I mean, you remember the the, the – uh, uh, the name has escaped me right now. He, he went number one to the Cavs, and it was uh, not a great, not a great pickup. In fact, oh, Anthony the, Bennett. Bennett is the name, right? I kept thinking I'm saying Anthony. I'm going Edwards. No, 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 not him. Definitely not him. Uh, yeah, that that was one that you know there was uh, it wasn't that great of a draft. Anybody could have gone one, um, but it's. I feel like everybody's convincing me that this is a depth draft. So you have three picks that each one of them. Would go could go number one. It all depends on what fits you best, and you don't really get that opportunity in a lot of drafts where you have you could take one of three players. It just depends on who has that number one pick. What fits you and your roster the best? And I think for the first three teams in this draft, that's a it's a great place to be because you do feel like you're coming away with a guy that you know in time should be an all star, in time should be a player a player that you look back on the draft and say that was a foundational piece for us, and they all happen to be big men. Now we'll see after that, which is where the four pick and the, and the Kings, things get so interesting. And just to go back on the Kings pick for a minute, because you know the, the things do really get interesting from four on, that's when the guards and the wings really start to go. The Kings, I mean, every year all they do is draft wings. It's all they do is draft point guards, guards or point guards, right? And they just moved away from one that they drafted two years ago, 
And so if they do take Jaden Ivey, which of course makes a ton of sense, you take the best player available, does that mean like a year from now the Aaron Fox will be looking for a new place to play because they don't want to pay him? So it'll be interesting to see with Mike Brown there and with them trying to get some traction as a franchise, what this pick means for the future of whoever's on that roster right now. We're talking with Alan Hahn, host of Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. Alan's part of ESPN's, ESPN Radio's coverage of the NBA draft along with Corey Alexander and PJ Carlissimo at the Barclays in Brooklyn. And that's where we want to go now. Kyrie Irving apparently <laughs> has a short list of teams if they are not, if he and the Brooklyn Nets are not going to come to this agreement on a multi-year extension. And along that list of six teams, Lakers, Clippers, Heat, Mavs, 76ers, and the Knicks. Can you make a case for me where he goes across the I guess I don't even know across the river I don't know the yeah, geography river. no you're right across east the river, river in New yeah, York yeah. and ends up with the New York Knicks would this have to be a situation if they don't end up getting Ivy tonight and, and things don't work out how do you see this playing out with Kyrie I, I still feel like this is a power play like I just feel like the Knicks and and several other teams I, I thought the best part of Woj's tweet that you were just referencing is the last line none of those teams have the cap space to sign him without mm-hmm. the Nets help that's the most critical part of this. The without the Nets help part is also important. Do you guys envision a, 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 a world, imagine a world, where the Nets want to help the Knicks take their two-star players and become what Vegas says is the championship contender? Like, there's nothing that they would want to do, right? So that's, it just feels like there's no chance. So the only other thing the Knicks could do is start dumping as much salary as possible. They would have to do that tonight, pairing some picks with some contracts, get them out of here. Let's just, you know, scorch earth and then let those guys want out and then, you know, sign Kyrie and then let KD, you know, raise hell and have to get a third team involved. You can't do that because there's no guarantees. I feel like it's a power play, a major leverage play, but if they are to leave, or at least if Kyrie is to leave, the team I'm looking at is the Lakers. I think he and LeBron have put enough smoke signals out there with things that they've said about each other in the last year where a reconciliation is happening or has happened, and they would probably like to try it one more time. So if it's ever going to happen where Kyrie leaves Brooklyn, I think the Lakers are the most likely place. It's just not going to be easy because the Lakers, like the Knicks, really don't have any way to get him other than that mid-level exception. And the reality is, I mean, the Lakers got a bunch of over 30 YMC guy, YMCA guys on the roster, too. So there's nothing. To I feel like that was a shot at me, Wellesley. I feel like you're taking a shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's true. Well, right? yeah, it's right. I, I, what, I, what do they have? They have, you know, Horton Tucker. Like, they, they don't have any, any draft. Now no. they have a 35th pick. So they have, a, like, a, a low second-round pick is the best they have to offer. There's just there's not a lot there. Would Kyrie really take a 30 to $40 million pay cut and sign for a $6 million mid-level for one year? Just uh, you know, just so they can get some bird rights and then give him a contract, I, I, I can't see him doing. He's done a lot of things that you can you know scratch your head at. That's one I can't see him doing. Let, let, let me ask you this, Alan. Obviously, we we know how talented Kyrie Irving is. I mean, I, I love watching him play the game of basketball. Play the game of basketball. Why would a team want to give Kyrie Irving a long term contract, knowing? How much of a dis- distraction over the last couple of years he's been off the basketball court? Yeah, it's 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 an easy answer is that you shouldn't, right? Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something like just for radio. So on my show, I've constantly said the Nets should not. They should stare it down. They don't. They 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 really don't have to give him the contract he wants. They have to hold firm, right? I've been saying that. But just for fun, let me add this part. 
if you're Joe Sy, the owner of the team, not Sean Marks. Sean Marks is dug in. Like, Sean Marks should be dug in. In fact, Sean Marks, if, if he loses his power struggle, I wouldn't be surprised if he says, I'm out of here. But the owner is a different story. Joe Sy is invested in this this far. Why wouldn't you just finish the – just, all right, I've bought into this. We've gotten this far. What am I going to do other than buy into it a little more and gamble just a little more? It's only money, right? Like, it's just gamble a little more because all you need is that one magical year where it all comes together at one time. Just all you need, that one magical year, and it's all worth it. So that's the re- – when you say why should a team do it, that's why. Because you've gotten this far. You've already been through all this stuff. And if you don't do it, your alternative is going back into oblivion because that's really where the Nets go when they're not relevant with players like these guys. It's, it's, it's just reality, and especially in this market. You just go to oblivion. And so he doesn't want that. Before we let you go, you think that if they do end up not agreeing to terms with Kyrie Irving, if Kevin Durant like tries to force his way out of there via trade, should they go into full rebuild mode, considering mm. they just spent mm-hmm. the last part, of, better part of the last decade trying to rebuild this team? It's so sad, right, because actually they were in rebuild mode not too long ago, and they did a remarkable job. Sean Marks did a remarkable job in building and what they had. With a lot of those young guys, what they were able to put together, a really fun team that their their fan base fell in love with. Then they sold their soul. So to go back to that again would be exhausting. I, I just but, but what other option would you have other than to do that? Because you would not be able to attract many free agents. You would not really be able to do anything at that point. So rebuild would be the only answer. And that's why a Durant trade, if he ever did demand it and get a, get get what you know what like where they acquiesce. That would probably be the greatest, meaning biggest, largest trade in the history of the NBA when you consider how many assets you would need to give up for an already under-contract superstar still in his prime. Busy night ahead for that man, Alan Hahn, host of ESPN Radio's Barton Hahn, part of ESPN Radio's coverage of the NBA draft from Brooklyn, along with Corey Alexander and P.J. Carlissimo with Mark Kestisher and Seth Greenberg here in Bristol. Alan, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right, brother. All right, we're going to stick on, on that subject of the rebuild, to rebuild or not to rebuild if Kyrie ends up leaving Brooklyn. Should the Nets go that route, or should they try to run it back and go get some other pieces to build around the roster? That's next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
dived. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He thinks that he deserves a four-year extension fully loaded. This is not a Knicks putting it out there. This is not the Lakers putting it out there. This is off the player who thinks he's got leverage. And I'm here to tell you, he doesn't. Talk about delusional. I mean, that's this dude. Listen to this Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has six days to decide whether he is going to opt in or opt out of his $36 million contract with the Brooklyn Nets and leave or stay. Uh, If he leaves, he becomes a free agent, which, of course, brings up the question, what happens with Kevin Durant? Does he want to stay if Kyrie Irving is no longer his teammate in Brooklyn? And what should the Nets do if the situation goes nuclear and becomes the worst-case scenario? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So we were talking with Alan Hahn, host of Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, uh, from the NBA draft at the Barclays Center, not too long ago and he came up with the argument that the Nets should just go ahead and try to build this thing from the ground up again if they do indeed have Kyrie Irving say thanks but no thanks I'm opting out and then Kevin Durant choosing the worst possible option and and demanding a trade out of there now we'll talk leverage here momentarily but do you think that with the core that they do have, this is a team that just traded for Ben Simmons a couple months ago, never got to see him play during the regular season or the playoffs, and apparently he was close, but I digress. Like, they went through all that to get Ben Simmons at the trade deadline, so if they end up losing Kevin Durant and losing Kyrie Irving, is the smart play for them to just start over and, and move Simmons too? Yeah, clean house. Clean house from the perspective of, first of all, I don't trust Ben Simmons, so I, you know, listen. We, you know, we can spend a full segment talking about Ben Simmons and all the issues he's going through. But if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm not trusting him to play. And if Kyrie and Kevin Durant leave, if you have to move on from both of those players, you need to clean house and get as many draft picks as possible because there's no way in the world. Listen, if, if Kyrie, if they move on from Kyrie, they should trade Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant by himself cannot carry the Brooklyn Nets. And Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the world, obviously. But he cannot carry the Nets in the Eastern Conference, a conference that features the Milwaukee Bucks and and, and the Greek Freak, a Boston Celtics team that just got to the NBA Finals and lost. Jimmy Butler will be back with the Heat again. Joel Embiid, they're always great in the regular season. There's just so much talent in the Eastern Conference that – KD can't do it alone. You have to have multiple superstars. So why waste away Kevin Durant's talent, uh, what he has left, uh, for losing seasons when you can rebuild, speed up the rebuilding process by trading him and getting, you know, young players and or um, some first round draft picks for him. So just clean house. It, See, it, it's kind of pointless to try to build around unless you can get some great talent and you're able to trade Kyrie if Kyrie's leverage works out, which we all think is a ploy. Um, you know, if you can move on and get some pieces there. Trade Kyrie KDL. or trade Durant? Because it, so you're saying that you see, you're not of the belief that they should, if, if, 
if Kyrie says, I'm out, thanks, I'm going to go be a free agent, and then Durant's like, I want to leave too, and they trade him, you're not of the belief that they could rebuild around Ben Simmons and go youth movement everywhere else. Oh, heck no. With the way that the East is structured right now. I'm with you. I don't believe in it. I I don't believe going that way is the right play. No, it's not. And I don't, and I just, I, have, I just don't have faith in Ben Simmons. I just, we, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't know what he's com- going to look like because he hasn't played in more than a year, and well, there's that, all these you, questions you about whether he wants to play. You know yeah. what's been, what's been holding him back in not making it onto the court. But um, I agree with you. I mean, Durant, if if Irving leaves, and we also don't know. I mean, apparently, I, I, we we were talking about this earlier with Woj's report about the six teams that Kyrie Irving would potentially want to go to if he doesn't stay in Brooklyn, and there's some other reports from the Athletic that Kevin Durant is, has been made aware of this or whatever and is monitoring the situation. It sounds, I don't know, that's such a weird way to phrase it. Um, <laughs> he's monitoring the situation, paying very close attention to it. Well, what do you think? He's probably in constant communication with Kyrie being like, what are you going to do? Because uh, it's going to affect my future. But, like, we don't know if he's going to leave yet. I think that's just the assumption because he came to Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving. But who's to say that Kevin Durant isn't going to want to, you know, banish the stigma around him that he only goes places where other good players are. Like, I I agree that he probably doesn't have enough help around him to win a third championship if Irving switches teams, but why couldn't the Nets keep Durant in the fold? Like, why can't they, like, incentivize him by, by going after another point guard, by going after somebody else to pair with him and say, hey, like, we're sorry this thing didn't work out with Kyrie Irving, but we can give you a pretty good alternative if you want to stay here in Brooklyn and try to contend for a championship. And, you know, what I don't like is, uh, again, you made a great point about, oh, you know, okay, if Kyrie, you know, Kevin gets traded, or is he going to go on, is he going to team up with another squad like he when he left, when he left OKC to go, go to Golden State? Yeah. But with that said, you think about what – Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn thinking he was going to have superstar, fellow superstars around him. Um, clearly, it didn't work out with James Harden. Who knows if it'll work out with Ben Simmons? The Kyrie situation has been, you know, ever since it started with not being vaccinated and not being able to play at home games, it has been an utter mess because it's been more off the court issues with Kyrie than on the court. On the court, they make one hell of a pair. I, it, they're 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 great to watch. We've never but really gotten to can't... see it all that much. Yeah, but I mean, it was like an appetite. It was it was a complete appetizer with those two. And I, I want a full course meal um, <laughs> at, between the two of them. So yeah, it's just so many question marks and lingering. If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm like, hey, clock's ticking. Clock is ticking. I've only I've only got two NBA titles. I want to try to get some more. Uh, along my, be- you know, you know, on my finger, more rings in that area. So, Ke- Kevin Durant's in a tough situation. I can get if he's frustrated, but again, if he goes somewhere else where he's teamed up, where he's tr- you know winning the championship because he got moved, people are going to question Kevin Durant. Like you know, Charles Barkley was going after him. Kevin Durant can only do it if he goes plays with super teams. Yeah, and I mean, he's going to be 34 years old this season, so you're right. Like, he can't play forever, and he's dealt with injuries the last couple years. The Achilles, you know, it was an injury this year that, you know, kept him out for a big portion of of a stretch where the Nets, like, lost what was like 11 or 12 games in a row and, the you know, put them from, like, the number one seed in the East all the way to where they were having to go through the play-in tournament just to get into the postseason. So I'm sure Kevin Durant's realistic about this and and sees that his window 
is only extended if he's able to have Kyrie Irving with him. I don't know if there's anything he can do to talk Kyrie Irving into just agreeing to what the Brooklyn Nets um, are offering him, which, you know, if, if, if it's all, if we're thinking realistically, it's a short-term deal with a lot of incentives loaded into the contract. That's what would make sense. And, you know, I'd be really curious to hear from Kevin Durant himself. I know he came to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving, but he can't possibly be happy that Kyrie Irving went this route this past year that even put him in a situation. Like if Kyrie doesn't, you know, go the route that he did, where he only is able to play in 29 games because he didn't want to comply with the vaccine mandate. He's not the only player who did it, but he is one of the bigger names and, you know, that that he forced his way into becoming a part-time player. He really hurt his teammate, Kevin Durant. He wasn't there for him. And I just wondered, like, does KD regret this at all? I would think that you'd have to be realistic and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I can't trust this guy going oh, I'm forward. PO'd. I'm PO'd if yeah. I'm KD. I'm hot. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. And I would feel that way too, whether Kevin Durant's going to come out and publicly say that. I think you um, don't have a great chance of seeing that happen considering he's defended Kyrie Irving at every chance that he's had to do so. But we'll see. He's apparently monitoring the situation closely. So we're going to be on like KD watch here the next couple of days. Six days remain until Kyrie Irving has to decide whether he is opting in or opting out of his $36 million player option by June 29th. Coming up next, which NBA draft prospect has the best shot of becoming a franchise-changing player? We'll get into that next here in Canty and Carlin. But first, this from Vivid Seats. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, and every walk-off. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every ticket, from the box seats to the bleachers. Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Day, vivid seats life happens live hi this is espn's mike greenberg and espn bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sports book of espn has exclusive offers and markets from scott van pelt Stephen a smith and me from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today and new users get a hundred dollars in bonus bets for making any sports book bet download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The future starts now. We've got everybody who expects to hear their name called at the NBA draft lined up at the Barclays. Paolo Boncaro. Someone could tell me what exactly uh, that insignia is on his suit. I thought it was the Larry O'Brien trophy a bunch of different times on this purple suit that he's wearing. As I zoom in closer, it looks like a flower of sorts. I don't know if there's any significance to that, if it's a designer or if I'm just a complete out-of-touch moron. But uh, someone tell me what's on his suit because I'm very curious to know the NBA draft just a couple hours away. Coverage beginning 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on ESPN. Radio. In the meantime, you're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. We've been talking, Mike, all show about the intrigue level of this year's draft, whether we like not necessarily knowing who the consensus, not necessarily having a consensus number one overall pick, that there might be some last minute swapping or intrigue uh, going on with one, two, and three, but to me, this kind of feels like we've known 
all along. Jabari Smith is going to the Orlando Magic at number one, followed by Chet Holmgren, number two, to Oklahoma City. And then Paolo Boncaro in his purple suit, finding his way to Houston. What would... (laughs) What would what would what would really surprise you about tonight? Like if you can like think of something, and I know we've talked about Jaden Ivey, and maybe he sneaks his way into the top three. Like, do you think this thing is set, or is there something that could possibly happen that would shake up the order? I, I think the only thing that could probably shake up the order is if if a team, you know, moves up, takes a gigantic leap up. I think as far as players go, I think we it seems to be pretty set. And you know, I've been thinking about this for the last three plus hours, and I was. I was uh, looking forward to circling back to this, and we were talking. To the, we kicked off the show discussing about the the draft and the suspense or whatnot. I think the thing that you know, I, I like the uncertainty of like, okay, there's no okay, who it can go a number of different ways. I think the thing that really bothers me, Courtney, is where's that franchise changing player at? Like, where's that guy? You know, the guy that's going to be taking number one, and you say, okay, this guy is going to change a franchise. Like when Zion came out, you knew that he had all the talent. Obviously, he's been injured a lot. That he could do that. Anthony Edwards is doing that with the um, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. You have you can see the, the stuff with Cade Cunningham. My question mark is if Jabari Smith, if he stays at number one to the Orlando Magic, is he that guy that's going to say, okay? You can truly, truly build around this guy, and he's going to be, you know, he's the reason why people want to come down and go to games in Orlando because of mm-hmm. Jabari Smith. So that's that's the thing that's probably bothering me the most about this draft. The player that I'm very intrigued by, and I'm going to admit I'm kind of biased, um, is Jaden Ivey. I've paid close attention to him at Purdue. You know, my son is a gigantic Purdue basketball fan, so I've watched him and seen how explosive he is and what he can do. Um, if I'm if I'm the if I'm Jaden, I'm kind of hoping I don't want to go to Sacramento. Sacramento is all they are is a bunch of they're, they're they're just a bunch of wing players. They keep loading up on wing players and then trading them off. I know the Indiana Pacers will love for Ivy to fall to them at number six. I don't see that happening. But yeah, if I'm if I'm Ivy, you, you go to Sacramento, you you get lost in Sacramento. When's the last time a player has been, like, eye-popping for the sac- – got drafted by the Sacramento Kings? You're like, oh, my God, must-see TV for this guy. And, and so Maybe. I, I wouldn't, wa- wouldn't want to go dra- there. Was he drafted there or was he traded there? Who did you mention? Kings. DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, uh, yeah, he was, he, was, he was drafted there. That's the only player that I can think of in, like, the last, what, decade or so that yeah, was – and, and you saw how that worked out. That's, you know, to your point. Um I get it. Like I, w- I think that he's probably hoping that the Knicks are able to pull off that trade to get up to number four. They'd have to, you know, as we talked with Bart Hahn from Allen, uh, from uh, we talked with Allen Hahn from Barton Hahn earlier to- this afternoon. Like you do whatever you have to do to pull that trade off, and you don't necessarily have to give up R.J. Barrett and, and some of the other uh, core pieces there, where you could finally have um, that 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 guard that you're looking for there, that that lead guard. Um, but I I don't know. To, to answer your question, the bigger picture thing about is there a franchise-changing player, somebody that's going to come in and you know could change the trajectory of of where your team's headed. I feel like the reason that Smith is kind of emerging or has already emerged as that guy is because the Magic, when you think about it, they're set right now. In their backcourt, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, mm-hmm. Markel Fultz, R.J. Hampton, um, they need size. 
they want to add some size to this roster to to do something different. And I feel like not going with Chet Holmgren there. I mean, this is a, a franchise that's had you know injury issues with some of their top draft picks before. So I'm sure they're they're probably a little um, gun shy with that. But I, it's a high ceiling, high reward very low risk move in order to go with Jabari Smith because you still see he's got a lot of growth potential within his game. He's still young. You could say the same about Chet Holmgren, but I do think there are those durability concerns. I just feel like when someone like a Jabari Smith is available, like that's obviously the easiest move for any franchise to make, especially if you're going number one overall when you already have that need and you've got to add size because your backcourt's set. Yeah, no, I I can't, I can't argue that. Um, let, you used to live in Minnesota. You lived in the Twin Cities. Chet Holmgren is from the Twin Cities. A, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he he and Jalen Suggs were high school teammates, right? Yep. At yeah. Mini Haha so, Academy. So you you you've seen you've seen Chet. Um, what would you take? Would you take him that high? Are you sold on him saying his 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 body will be able to transition and take? you know, the pounding of an 82-game NBA season? You know, I, I feel like for a team like Orlando that feels like it's probably closer than an Oklahoma City or or Houston's in a complete weird rebuild, um, I don't know how long that one's going to take. I mean, but if you're looking at the top three, it feels, you know, to me, like Orlando probably thinks it's closer. It's not close by any stretch, but they're closer in the East than than, you know, you know, some some of the others that were in this rebuilding phase for a while. So I could understand not going Chet Holmgren because you're worried about durability concerns. I mean, this is somebody, though, that could in time become a defensive player of the year type player. He can give you an outside shot. He's a talent. He's a prodigy in a lot of respects. But I think it's the short-term concerns that would probably – and will probably lead the Orlando Magic to going with Jabari Smith at number one over Chet Holmgren. But again, um, there is still a little bit of mystery, maybe some intrigue left uh, as we get ready here for the NBA draft on ESPN radio about whether the order will stay as it is projected right now with Jaden, excuse me, with Jabari Smith going number one overall to the Orlando Magic, Chet Holmgren going number two overall to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then Paolo Bancaro from Duke going to Houston. But time will tell, 7 p.m. Eastern time is when our coverage of the draft begins from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Coming up next, 50th anniversary of Title IX, 37 words in a bill that shows it is bigger than just sports. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Title IX was a bill that was passed in 1972 aimed to get women into grad schools. And 50 years later, it's helped shape women's role in sports and also other industries as part of education and other avenues uh, that many women choose for careers. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells. And Mike, you have a daughter who's what, almost 13 years old. Yep. And 
I was wondering about just like her experience with Title IX. Like, do they teach children about its impact and what it actually means? Because honestly, I feel like there are so many people, at, even at my age, at 31, who truly don't understand how Title IX came to be. I mean, we can understand the significance of it, but it doesn't feel like it's been part of our curriculum or even really talked about in growing up. No, it it, it hasn't been talked about uh, about that. Um, you know, it's funny because. Um, obviously got a, uh, I've got an 11 year old son also. So of course my, my son, he is a junior version of me, meaning he likes to run his mouth and talk trash all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, she, he's always talking about, you know, boys are better than that girls and this boys have more opportunities than that. And so the questions do get asked, especially when it comes to the WNBA, you know, I, t- I took my kids to a, we go to Pacer, uh, Pacer games and we, you know, to the fever game in the WNBA sure. and, there's such a difference in the attendance. In fact, at pace, you know, at the Fever uh, games, which is, they play their same their games, you know, uh, same place as Pacers, there'll be curtains down, and there'll, sure, there'll and they definitely block off be the way, upper yeah, level section. Make it seem like it's not as as empty as um, an NBA game. And of course, my dad's like, "How come people? How come there's always people going to NBA games, but there's not going to WNBA games?" And of course, so, so I have to explain the scenario to that, and uh, it, the question is going to keep coming the older she gets about why, you know, females are not at the same level as males. And it, it's – the gap is the gap is getting close, closer to closing, but there's still a gigantic gap in my eyes before, you know, women or men are going to be on the same even playing field. Yeah, and I mean, the NCAA today released um, its findings that while it, participation for women in college athletics, especially at the highest level of college athletics – is you know at the highest it's ever been that that equity gap in terms of pay and, and and the amount of resources and finances that are dedicated towards men's sports versus women's sports at the collegiate level is still um very sizable so a lot of work still yet to be done here as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of title nine proving in many ways it is so much bigger than sports uh it's about gender equity in all avenues of life Coming up next, getting into Arch Manning's commitment to Texas on 3 and Out. want to thank our excellent crew of guests that stopped by the show today here at Canyon Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, Dallin Cuff, ESPN basketball analyst, L. Duncan, Sports Center host, Chris Canty, host of this show, Canty and Carlin, Tom Luganbill, ESPN college football recruiting analyst, Aaron Dolan, ESPN sports betting analyst, Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, and Alan Hahn, host of Barton Hahn and ESPN Radio, an all-star lineup of guests. Thank you to our producer, Shannon Penn, for putting that together. Now, Arch Manning, the number one recruit in the 2023 class, um, committed to Texas today. It was the biggest recruiting news that I have seen, Mike Wells, in, in quite some time. I actually got multiple push notifications about it, so you know if the ESPN app is on and popping about recruiting It's national news, and we're going to get into a little bit more of Arch Manning's commitment and what it means here on 3 and Out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is 3 and Out. So Tom Luganbill, who covers college football and recruiting for ESPN, joined us earlier in the show. He covered 
Arch Manning's recruitment. And now that Arch is going into his senior year, he has his commitment out of the way. He is headed to Texas, the number one overall player in the 2023 class. Here's Tom Luganbill on how Arch Manning and the entire Manning camp handled Arch's recruitment. Just looking at it from an outsider's perspective and, and watching how they handled all of this thing. And, you know, this was never about constantly chasing the recruiting limelight. It wasn't about that for him. In fact, he conducted very few interviews, allowed very few people into the inner circle. And I think that was smart. There, there's enough distraction. There are, there are enough things going on. It's already a difficult process when you're that high profile and you're trying to narrow things down. So I think they did a great job of attending camps, getting on campus, making sure they were gathering all of the, the correct information. And, and this is, I think, the most important part, maybe the part that gets glossed over, and that is doing so so that he can go back to just being a kid, getting it out of the way before his senior season so everything's not a constant distraction, and he can just go back to being a 17-year-old kid. Yeah, Arch Manning has the luxury of being able to focus on football. It is a Dor Newman in the New Orleans area of Louisiana, and not everybody does. I mean, there's something there, too. I mean, we talked with Tom about it. Like, he has a sort of privilege that other athletes don't. He doesn't have to worry about whether he makes it in football or not. He's, you know, got tons of, you know, his family has a ton of money. Like, and, and not all of that matters. I get that. But, like, this is somebody who has a, supporting, a support system around him, institutional knowledge of the football game at, at a level that's unheard of, that other top prospects don't have that same sort of access to. So I think the way that Arch Manning handled his recruitment is reflective of the people he has around him. He's Cooper Manning's son, but his uncles are Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and his grandfather is Archie Manning. So... I'm not surprised that he handled it this way. Like, what would he have had to gain by doing all of the rivals, 247, um, on three, all of those sort of interviews and, you know, putting his name out there? His name's already going to carry weight. Like, he handled this the way that you should handle it if you have a famous last name like he does. And, you know, also, I mean, Courtney, we've 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 seen it in uh, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. The, the art of social media, the look at the look at me on Twitter, you know, every time you're on a campus somewhere, there's mm-hmm. a, there's an Instagram live story or you're tweeting about it. The maturity from the maturity standpoint, Arch Manning is way more mature than most, you know, kids heading into their senior year of high school. And I wouldn't I mean, expect Dun- anything less, though, no. Mike, because yeah. this guy grew up. Yes, his father didn't play football, uh, football in the NFL, but. Peyton and Eli Manning are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So, of course, he's going to have experienced it in almost a way of like a been there, done that thing where I can't fault the young recruits who go on campus and, you know, are are on the sideline on their Instagram live or, you know, thanking people on on Twitter and the coaches that, you know – visited their school like with the edits and all that stuff like those that's this could be the biggest moment of those kids lives like he's of a different sort of um I guess elk because I just feel like Arch Manning's been he may not have already been there before so to speak but he's had so much privilege in his life because of his last name where his recruitment was going to play out completely differently than anybody else even players who are on the same level as him because of the type of family that, that he comes from and that he's already been a part of this life, his entire life. 
Well, I, I tell you, I mean, I, I've buried the best part. I mean, Jeff Duncan, a, a, a columnist at the New Orleans Times-Picune, he tweeted a little while ago, again, showing that he grew up and has been around professionals, players who are who have handled themselves very well, is that he goes through, you know, after the recruiting process, Arch went and called the coaches, the, the Dabble Sweeney's of Clemson, you know, Lane Kiffins of USC and other, coach, other schools that he turned down to personally tell them that he was not going to attend their school. It's the right I, way to I'm do sure it. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's happened with other athletes before, but, man, that tells you, hey, he didn't just shut the door on those other schools. Respectfully told him. Yep, he sure did. Number one recruit in the 2023 class, Arch Manning, headed to Texas.